The following message was preached at Redeemer Community Church. For more information about Redeemer, visit us online at www.redeemernc.org. Today's scripture reading is from Psalm 34, 1-7. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jenny. You can be seated. I hope you'll go ahead and open your Bible to Psalm 34. That's where we're going to be camping out today as we hear from David uh, teaching us about the Lord. How is your day going today? How are you today? Great. Great. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm glad to hear it. Thank you. Um, yeah, I hope it's a great day. I hope it's, it's been just an awesome day. I hope that you you woke up early, uh, before the alarm, and just magnificently refreshed, and that you came downstairs, and I don't know, some elves or something had made breakfast for you already, that you smelled bacon in your nostrils as you uh, awoke to this beautiful day. I hope you've had a great day. I, if you have kids, I hope that they have been polite and pleasant uh, all morning already. I hope they've been like little servants, you know, like... Mother, what else can I get you? Uh, would you like more coffee? Can I top that off? I hope they've been really great to you today. I hope that they were in the car early, ready to go to church of their own volition, but not impatient, just sitting, waiting for, their, for you to be ready whenever to get them to church on time. I hope it's been a fantastic day for you. And not only a good day, I hope you've had a good month. I hope you got a promotion this month. I really do. And some of you have gotten a promotion this month. I'm so glad for that. I hope you've had a great month. I hope that your family and extended family are doing really well, that everybody's healthy, that their relationships are good. I hope it's been a good month. I hope you got the vacation you needed, or that you will. Uh, I sincerely sincerely hope that you had a good month. And I hope you've had a good year. Uh, If you're married, I hope that you found out you were pregnant this year, if you're that age. (laughs) Or if you're maybe a little older, I hope that you found out your kids were pregnant uh, this year. I hope it's been fantastic. I hope you've been able to take a great trip with really good friends in the past 365 days. I hope it's been a good year for you. How are you today? I know that in a room this size or even a much smaller room, there's bound to be some people that are not having a good day today, not having a good month, not having a good year, that there's bad days in this room with us as well, that in this fallen world, it can't be true that everyone's having a great day today. Last week, Pastor Josh said in his sermon uh, that he was about to go on vacation, and he asked a rhetorical question. He said, will it make me happy? And then he made a very funny face that you wouldn't expect about vacation. He sort of was like, no, because he's had some bad vacations. But thankfully, I'm glad to report he did have a great vacation last week. But these things can't necessarily make us happy. That was his point, that God has to make us happy ultimately. And you and I know that not everyone here is having a good day. And that even if today is a good day for you, 
a bad day probably will come along not too long from now. I'm not trying to be a downer. Why do I bring this up? I bring it up because Psalm 34 is good news for bad days. It's good news for bad days. Really, it's good news for any day, but King David wrote it after one of his bad days, specifically to people who are in the midst of bad days. So if you are a person who has ever had a bad day, or who is having a bad day, or who will have a bad day, this psalm is for you. In Psalm 34, we're going to look what, uh, learn what faith looks like through the bad days. Um, I think this is interesting. In the Hebrew, this, uh, this psalm is an alphabetical acrostic poem. If you haven't been near an English class in a while, that means that every verse starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. But don't worry, we're not going to have a 22-point sermon. Uh, I just think that's interesting, and that's all I have to say about it. It's beautiful literature. Maybe learn Hebrew. I don't know what the application is there. But Psalm 34, we're going to learn what faith looks like through the bad days by looking at three, three things David kind of gives to us for bad days. First is faith for bad days, then fear for bad days, and third is the future for bad days. So faith for bad days, the fear for bad days, and the future for bad days. Let's start with faith for the bad days. What does faith in Christ look like on the dark days of our lives? Should we, are we expected to sweep our troubles under the rug and pretend that every day is a good day? No. Or in the face of our troubles, should we give up and decide that there is no God? Of course not, and you haven't, you're here. In verses 1 through 7, Psalm 34 teaches us two actions of faith for bad days. Those two actions are praise and prayer. Praise and prayer. Let's look at each of those. Praise. Faith praises the Lord through the bad days, knowing He has delivered others. Faith praises the Lord through the bad days, knowing He has delivered others. First, and above all else, this psalm is an invitation to praise the Lord every day, and especially on your bad days. When David says in verse 2, let the humble hear and be glad, the word humble there is not primarily referring to a character trait. The word is more like those whose circumstances are humble. In other places in the Bible, the Hebrew word is translated the poor, the afflicted, the meek. It's people in bad situations, bad days. It's things like poverty, addiction, chronic illness or pain, divorce, war, abuse, depression, mental illness, getting fired. Let the humble, those who are in bad circumstances, hear and be glad. Those are the people that David is inviting in particular to hear what Psalm 34 has to say. And David isn't one of those people who have never suffered, who are coming to somebody in their suffering and saying, stop it. Have you ever had a bad day or week or month where somebody did come to you just right away with advice? You started telling them how it's going and they're like, well, I mean, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Why don't you do this? Have you thought of this? And you're like, yeah, I've, I've tried all those things and it's, I, I'm still in pain. That's not who David is. He doesn't come to us with cheap solutions and quick fixes. Not at all. David wrote this psalm after a bad day of his own. The heading over this psalm, which is in, in the original, it's in the Bible, 
says, concerning David when he pretended to be insane in the presence of Abimelech, who drove him out, and he departed. Now, the story behind that is in 1 Samuel chapter 21. The king's name there in 1 Samuel 21, are you ready to learn some Hebrew? His name is Achish. Now, they call him Abimelech here, and that's what I'm going to call him, so I don't have to keep saying that. Uh, But his name is Achish, but he's Abimelech. Maybe it's another name for him. Israel had a king at the time, King Saul, but King Saul was not following the Lord. And so the prophet Samuel was raised up to anoint a new king, and that's King David. But King Saul was not ready to not be king anymore. And so he was out trying to kill David. And David, fleeing for his life, went to Gath, where Abimelech is king, thinking he would be safe. But the plot thickened. Abimelech's servants had heard about David's reputation. They knew that he was a great warrior and that he was the anointed king of Israel. And so they thought he was a threat to Abimelech and to Gath. David got word of that, and now he's afraid for his life in Gath too. He's worried they're going to try to kill him as well. Now that is a bad day. If you have reason to think somebody might kill you, that's a bad day. Some of you have had that experience that I I don't envy you at all. So to escape Abimelech's house, David pretended to be insane. The Bible says he scratched at the doors like some kind of hangry cat and had uh, spittle, is the old word, spit dripping down his beard. He tried to look crazy. And Abimelech said, and this is in the Bible, I have enough crazy people around here. I don't need another one. Get him out of here. And so David is delivered. He's let go without harm. He's safe. Maybe you've had to act crazy to get away from a bad situation. But even if not, David understands bad days. And reflecting with great relief on God's deliverance, David says what we heard read in verses 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Because of God's goodness to save David through bad days, David resolved to praise the Lord at all times continually. Do we? Have we had that kind of relief from the Lord that we have resolved to praise Him at all times continually? Have we maybe had that kind of relief, but we've forgotten to praise Him at all times continually? The Holy Spirit's call and invitation to us today is to magnify the Lord and exalt His name together, even on our bad days, knowing that God has delivered others and us. This is why we gather together in person every week, so that some of us who are in the midst of good days can be an encouragement and a reminder to those who are in the midst of bad days that God has brought us out, and He can bring you out too, and we're with you while you're in the midst of it. So God delivered David out, and God has, of course, especially delivered our Savior Jesus out of His worst day, and therefore we can praise the Lord continually. Look at verse 6. David says, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Now, that's true of David. David was a poor man in that situation. He had to run away. But this is also true of King Jesus on the cross. On the cross, Jesus is stripped and poor. He has nothing. No power there, no possessions. 
And he cried out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then his troubles got even worse. Jesus breathed his last and died. But God heard his cry. God, scriptures say, did not abandon Jesus' soul to Sheol, nor did he let his Holy One, his flesh, see corruption. No, on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead, never to die again. The Lord saved him out of all his troubles. So we can praise the Lord, even on our bad days, in the faith that God has delivered others before us, especially our Savior Jesus. And so he will deliver us. But not only does faith look like praise in the bad days, it also looks like prayer. Faith prays to the Lord through the bad days, knowing he's delivered others. Pay attention I want you to pay attention to three words, verses 4, 5, and 6. There's three key words in verse 4, 5, and 6. If you're looking at them, the words are sought, look, and cried. Sought, look, and cried. What is David doing when he's seeking, looking to the Lord, and crying? Well, he's praying. Practically, that's what that looks like. He is praying to the Lord in the midst of the bad days. These are words for prayer. Have you ever sought for a light switch in a dark room? Have you ever looked for light? Maybe there were obstacles in the way. Maybe there were things that caused you pain on your way to get there while you're groping about for it. There's an end table right at thigh height, and it's got a corner on it. There's a Lego on the floor, and you're in bare feet. You've been seeking for something, for some light on this dark situation. Well, that is what we do in prayer In our dark situations, we seek the Lord. We know He's the light. We know He can give more light. And like that dark room, it may not be easy. There might be some ground you have to traverse in prayer that you would rather not speak about to anyone. But in order to get to the light, you have to speak about it to God. Faith prays to the Lord through the bad days. Maybe they're just prayers like, How long, O Lord? When, Lord? You said, Lord. Why, Lord? David sought the Lord for deliverance from Abimelech. He prayed, and the Lord delivered him. David cried out in his weakness. He prayed, and the Lord saved. So pray your fears to God until he answers. You may have to pray for a few minutes. You may have to pray for a few months. You may have to pray even longer than that, but keep praying. Ask, seek, knock, persist, dear brother or sister, in dark days. Persist in prayer. And when you can't pray, let us pray with you. Ask an elder to pray with you. That's biblical, James 5. Ask somebody in your D group or your community group to pray with you. David says, Those who pray to God in trouble are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This radiance has to do with the glory of God. Moses, remember when he came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, his face was radiant. Jesus Christ is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. The new Jerusalem, when John sees it descend from heaven in the book of Revelation, is radiant with the glory of God. When we look to God in prayer through even our bad days, we become transformed by the glory of God. And in some way, we even get transformed into the glory of God. When we pray in our suffering, it will change us. And then remember this, what it says in verse 7. When we pray through our bad days, as we pray through our bad days, remember the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. 
So the captain of the angelic host has angels encamped around you to deliver you in the bad days, through the bad days. So what does faith look like for bad days? It looks like praise and prayer to God, knowing that He has delivered others, especially Christ. He's delivered them and He will deliver you if you're in Christ by faith. So David goes on then to talk about fear for the bad days. Fear for the bad days. Verses 18 through 14, David shifts from calling us to praise the Lord to calling us to fear the Lord. And maybe you wonder, how do these things go together? How do we get from praising the Lord to fear? What's the connection? And they fit together like this. Faith fears the Lord supremely because faith has tasted the Lord's goodness in Christ. Faith fears the Lord because faith has tasted the Lord's goodness. We both praise and fear the Lord because of His goodness. Look at how David connects the two in verses 8 and 9. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints, for those who fear Him have no lack. I just love the, the combination of those two invitations. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. It's a good thing to fear the Lord. You're going to fear something. Fear the Lord who is good. You're going to be afraid of something. Be afraid of the one who has given his son. The Lord is good. If you know Jesus, you have tasted the Lord's goodness. In fact, the Apostle Peter amazingly reads Psalm 34 and reads the Lord in this verse, those capital letters Lord, which is the name of God, Yahweh. He reads that and equates it with the Lord Jesus. How many people who have lived with you for three years would mistake you for the divine? <laughs> but that's what Peter's doing. He's saying, Jesus is the Lord, and if you have come to Jesus by faith, you have tasted that the Lord is good. 1 Peter 2, verse 3. So the Lord Jesus is good. He is good to the suffering and the afflicted. As you already know, in his earthly ministry, he went around healing large crowds of people. Like so many people, they kept bringing more to him and he would heal them. He took time to raise a little girl from the dead. On the way there, he healed a woman with chronic disease and stopped to have a conversation with her, forgive her of her sins. He fed crowds who had nowhere else to get food. One time there was a man who who was so possessed by demons that they had chained him up and he would keep breaking out of the chains. And he lived in the catacombs, in the tombs. And he was running about shouting and day and night. He's naked, shouting, breaking out of chains. And people have to go around this place to get to where they're going because of this man. He's dangerous. And this person that no one else would go near, Jesus came to him and drove out the demons and restored the man's sanity. The man became a missionary, telling others what God had done for him. No one, this teaches us, no one is too far gone for Jesus. No one is in too dire straits for Jesus. Your circumstances cannot be so bad that Jesus cannot be there with you. And that Jesus cannot heal and change. You are not too far from Jesus, no matter how dark your days are. Maybe some of you are doubting right now. Maybe the bad day you're in is causing you to wonder whether God is really there. Maybe the church has utterly failed you in some way in the past or in the present. But brother or sister in Jesus, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see again 
Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. The church will fail you, but the Lord is good. People will fail you, but the Lord is good. The elders here will fail you, but the Lord is good. The deacons probably won't fail you, but if they do, the Lord is good. The community group you're in, D group, they may fail you. They may disappoint you, but the Lord is good. And the Lord Jesus will never fail you. Is your faith faltering? Are you doubting the goodness of God? Over the next month, reread one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Walk with Jesus. Watch Jesus as he ministers. And once again, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let him restore your faith in him, if you're doubting, if you're struggling. So the Lord is good. And then, therefore, O you his saints, fear him. The fear of the Lord, what does that mean? Well, all we need to know about the fear of the Lord for today is what David teaches us in verses 11 through 14. He says this, Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So the fear of the Lord for today, what we need to know for today, the fear of the Lord looks like speaking the truth, doing good, and seeking peace. Sometimes, on the bad days, the only thing to do is the next right thing. Sometimes in the dark days, the only thing you can see to do is the next thing to obey the Lord. By faith, even if you don't feel it, tell the truth, do good, seek peace. That's the fear of the Lord. And now, I don't know about you, but I find it's on my bad days when I'm most tempted not to fear the Lord. It's on my bad days when I'm most tempted to go my own way. On the hard days is when it's the easiest to justify a little shading of the truth to get what I want. Or on the hard days is when it's easiest to try to bring a little conflict into the world, maybe with somebody who's not even really involved in my bad day. I just want to take it out on somebody. It's on our bad days that we're tempted. It's on our anxious or tired days when it's easiest to get into a fight. I find that I and most adults are just like toddlers. When we don't get what we want, we throw a fit. David is trying to show us the foolishness of our natural human inclination to deny God on our bad days. He is calling us instead to the fear of God, which tends toward many days of seeing good because our Creator is good. And so on your next bad day, find somebody to do good to. Initiate an attempt at peacemaking in a broken relationship. Tell the truth. The Apostle Peter quotes Psalm 34, verses 12 through 16 in 1 Peter 3. I want you to listen to his conclusion. I want you to hear his conclusion from David's words here. Here's what the Apostle Peter says. Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic. He's talking to the church. Love one another and be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing, since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. Can you let your bad days drive you to compassion for others in bad days? Can you turn around insult into blessing? These verses remind me of Judy Wynn who was a member here at Redeemer until her death a few months ago. 
She was a woman who had suffered many bad days. By the time I met her, she had lost all her family and was in chronic pain and with chronic illness. And if that, and it was just amazing to me how she was humble in the way David means here. She's got these bad circumstances. She had, past tense, bad circumstances. And yet she was always giving a blessing. She was always one to point you to the Lord. She was always ready with, with a joke to, to help you smile. She was always sympathetic to people, even when their problems were so much less than hers. She really lived in the fear of the Lord. And now she is at complete peace in His presence because of her faith in Him. Now she has only good days ahead of her for eternity. The Lord has delivered her from all her suffering. So taste and see the Lord Jesus' goodness and fear Him. And David says, even if you lack every worldly thing, you'll have no lack. In Jesus, you can learn to be content with much or with little, as Paul says. Somebody else has said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. If you have Jesus, you have no lack, no matter what your circumstances are. So far, so this far in Psalm 34, uh, David has taught us about faith for the bad days and fear for the bad days. And then in verses 15 through 22, he's going to direct our eyes to the future for the bad days. The future. If you're in Christ, no matter what your day is like today, your future is incredibly bright, and no one can take it from you. And the Lord is with you in the, presence, in the present right now. Your future is incredibly bright. No one can take it, and the Lord is with you now. The Lord is coming. That's what David wants us to see. One of the things he wants us to see, the Lord is coming. When was a time that you had to endure some pain in the present in order to cross some finish line and get to the other side? I know a few weeks back some of you ran Run the Quay. And uh, if you're not used to running, maybe by the, the third or fourth K of the 5K, you were like, I'm ready to be done. Uh, this is painful. <laughs> But you had to endure because you didn't want to be embarrassed by all the 12-year-olds who finished ahead of you. So to keep going. Maybe it was more serious than that. Maybe it was much more serious than that. Maybe your child at home was not a safe place for you. And the only thing that got through through that some days was the hope that one day you were going to get out. You were going to move out and be far away from that situation. Or maybe you're a woman who has gone through labor. And you've endured some pain to get to a joyful finish line on the other side. In the last part of Psalm 34, David leads us to meditate on the future, specifically on Judgment Day and the new creation. To feel secure today, however good or bad today might be, I think you need to know your future. And in Christ, we know our future. If we're afraid of what today will bring, we need a greater hope in the future with our coming King. I don't always rhyme, but you're welcome. But that's our hope. We need a greater hope in a coming king than what today will bring. Now look with me at verses 15 and 16. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. His eyes and ears are towards you, brother and sister in Christ. He sees you, he hears you in the midst of whatever your troubles may be. And the Lord's face is against those who do evil. 
And it's God who defines what's good and evil, and his face is against the evil, and God is good, so it's very good news that his face is against the evil. Skip down to verses 21 and 22, where it says, Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. There's bright hope for your future if you're a servant of the Lord by faith in Christ. The most important question today then is, do you have faith in Christ? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Do you trust him? There's no way to be righteous as God defines righteousness. There's no way to be in this place of refuge and blessing except through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Because you and I have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all done things against God's law. No one has loved him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. No one has loved their neighbor as themselves. So we've all sinned. The only way to be in this protection, this refuge of, of Christ, is to be in Christ by trusting him by faith. So which side are you on? Are you looking forward to the judgment of God because you know you are saved by grace through faith and when God finally judges all evil, you'll be redeemed and rescued and safe with Him forever? Or are you afraid of or in denial about or rejecting the truth of the coming judgment of God because you want to make up your own right and wrong? Which side are you on? Or in your bad days, if you're in Christ, look to the future because there is hope. The Lord is coming. But of course, that day is not yet. And for this day of waiting, look back with me to verses 17 through 20 where we see that the Lord is near. David writes in verse 17, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Now, you might hear that and you might be thinking, but I have been crying for help and the Lord has not delivered me. I've been asking for help, and the Lord has not delivered me out of all my troubles. And it's true, sometimes He waits. But look at verse 18. The Lord, Yahweh, Jesus, is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. He's near to you if you're waiting for his deliverance. Maybe you remember in the second Lord of the Rings movie when they're about to lose a desperate battle at Helm's Deep. Uh, they're in this fortress and there's a massive army of orcs on the outside. They're outnumbered. They're outgunned. You know, there's nothing they can do to win. And they finally remember this promise of Gandalf the great wizard who promised, look to my coming at the first light, on the fifth day, at dawn, look to the east. And they remember that, and it's the fifth day, and they look to the east, and they ride out, and Gandalf meets them with an even bigger army, and everybody's saved. And it's a beautiful story and a powerful moment. Somebody came to talk to me between the service and said it's the, probably the most powerful moment for them in the, in the second book of Lord of the Rings. But we have a much better hope in our darkest day 
Tolkien knew it. In fact, he was drawing on the real story of the whole world when he was writing the story of the Lord of the Rings. We have a real hope that Jesus will return. And the Lord hasn't given us a specific day or hour. But hold on, dear brother or sister, in bad days. The Lord is near to you now. He's nearer to you than you are to yourself by the indwelling Holy Spirit. And the Lord is coming. Haggai says, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. There are days when we can't see Jesus, but he said to wait a little while and you will see me. Dear brother or sister, in bad days, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted right now. And Peter says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself personally restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. A little while, brothers and sisters, but he's coming. Back in our psalm, David says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Hold on, dear brother. Hold on, dear sister. Keep waiting. It won't be long, just a little while. In the meantime, again, he's near. So keep praying, keep asking, keep seeking, keep gathering with the saints in worship so that you can be reminded that he's near and that he's coming. Keep praising and praying. Keep doing all you can to taste and see the Lord's goodness. Keep putting yourself in a place to taste and see it. Keep fearing the Lord. One more verse of Psalm 34, and I'm done. Verses, verse 20. He, the Lord, keeps all his, the righteous person's, bones. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. He's going to keep you, dear saint. He's going to protect you. Even in the worst of it, he's not going to leave you or forsake you. And how do you know? How can you know that for sure? You know... You can know because this verse isn't first about you. It's first about Jesus. And if you're in Jesus, then it's true for you. Here's what I mean. The Apostle John in, in chapter 19 of the Gospel of John, verse 36, is reflecting on what happened at the cross. And maybe you remember that they sent out a soldier with a club to break the legs of everybody who's on a cross, the three who were on the cross that day, because they needed them to die faster. They wanted them to suffocate faster so that they could get them off the cross in time for the Sabbath day. That's just so jarring to me. We've got to kill these folks faster so we can kind of clean it up for the right day. Well, they went out with the club, and Jesus, they were surprised to find, was already dead. Why? John says, these things took place that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. They didn't have to break his legs. He had already given up his spirit. So listen. If the Lord's promises did not fail on the day his son was crucified, the Lord's promises will not fail. If the Lord's promise on the day his son was crucified, nailed to the cross, did not fail, but were being fulfilled, he will be faithful to deliver you on the day of trouble. So will you praise him? 
Will you pray to him? Will you taste and see that he is good? Will you fear him? Will you wait for him? In the day of darkness, will you believe that he is near, so very near, even on that day? The truth is that we probably won't, unless we're already in the habit of it. So how can we get in the habit of praising and prayer and fearing and all the rest? Well, it's hard, but it's simple, and you already know if you've been to church much, get in and stay in real, honest, regular fellowship with other Christians in this church. Get in that habit. And it's important that they're in our church because you'll see them and they'll see you. They'll see if you're having a bad day or not. They'll be able to pierce through your answer, how are you doing today? I'm good. And they'll say, no, you're not. Then you need to be around people that can see you like that to remind you of the goodness of God on the bad days, to pray with you, to weep with you. It's a blessing if you can have relationships like that with brothers and sisters outside of your local church, outside of our church. But you need to have them here get in and stay in real, honest, and regular fellowship. How do you do that? What does that look like? Well, it looks like asking for prayer. It looks like admitting weakness. It looks like asking for help. Show up at things and talk to people. Don't wait for them to talk to you. You go talk to them. It's hard, but it's simple. Those things about fellowship, honest, regular, real fellowship, pursue it, and then be regular in the Word and in prayer. Be regularly reminding yourself of God's promises and His goodness by being in the Word and praying to Him. And then just finally, and maybe most simply of all, the next time you're having a bad day, read Psalm 34. Maybe you need a sticky note somewhere to remind you Maybe there's something you know you always go to on a bad day. Video games, TV, something to numb it. Maybe you need a sticky note there that says Psalm 34. Just read that on your bad days and let David, let the Holy Spirit through David call you back to magnifying the Lord to his goodness. Let's pray. Lord God, we need your help. I pray for each person here who's in the midst of a bad day right now and ask you to deliver them, Lord. You can. You've promised you will. And we ask that you would do it soon, O oh Lord. Deliver them. Resolve whatever that is that they're facing. Help us to be a part of that in their lives. Help us to see how we can alleviate their suffering and struggle or come alongside them in it. And Lord, for those who are in good days right now, thank you. We praise you. And we pray that you'd help us, Lord, to give you praise every day, that your praise would be on our lips continually. And Father, now as we take communion together, as we receive the bread and the cup, help us to taste your goodness as we taste these elements that remind us of your Son giving himself for us in fulfillment of all your promises. And all those promises are yes for us because of him. Help us to taste your goodness now in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Community Church in Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more sermons, we invite you to visit us online at RedeemerNC.org.